off the ball. I don't think Springboks are in crisis because you would hate for a team that is so phenomenally good a year out from the World Cup to be world number one and then to go out in the quarterfinal. Yes, yeah, Stephen, we, we know. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Okay, you're very welcome back. 53106 is the text number here this evening. If you want to get in touch with us, or of course, you can always uh, get us on Twitter at Off the Ball. Now, we're turning our attention to the NFL season, which kicked off last night. I'm delighted to say Sam Monson of PFF is with us. Sam, good morning, good evening, good afternoon to you. Morning, Jer. How's it going? Yeah, pretty good. I was thinking we'll do a preview of the whole season, but actually there's no point because we know who's going to win the Lombardi Trophy after <laughs> last night. Where the Buffalo Bills, it turns out it's their world and we're just living in it. Yeah, the the Bills have been kind of everybody's darling over the offseason. They've been number one on most people's power rankings. Everybody's been saying, you know, Buffalo's the best team in the NFL. They've got the best roster, all of which I think is probably correct. And yesterday we saw why. I mean, they stomped the Rams. That was supposed to be a close game. I actually liked the way the Rams matched up with Buffalo in a couple of different uh, personnel ways and a couple of different positions. And it just didn't matter. I mean, the Bills looked phenomenal both sides of the ball. Um, Josh Allen, Josh Allen's maybe the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And he's reached that point where there's no game plan to stop him. You know, I think a lot of these sort of transcendent quarterbacks, when they're playing at the very peak of their powers, you don't even know what the game plan is. And, And Allen has reached that point where no matter what you do to try and defend him, he's got the answer. He's still absolutely dominates and yeah Buffalo looks like the favourite for good reason Is there anything about a slow start to the season for the reigning Super Bowl champions you know in old old school GA we would say they wintered well uh, is there anything that maybe we're, we're in danger of overreacting because it was a gentle introduction even though it shouldn't have been because it shouldn't have been it, you know they are they, they also added very well um, in, in some aspects over the summer so um is there anything in that, that the Rams just didn't get out of the blocks? Yeah, I think the nature of the NFL, the nature of, you know, a 17-game schedule, one game can always be kind of meaningless, you know. And, and if you look the last few years, a lot of the, the better teams in the NFL, you'll find a game somewhere in their schedule where they didn't show up and they, they got blown away. Last season, Green Bay got annihilated by the Saints, I think, in week one. You know, looked kind of the same. And Green Bay ended up being one of the best teams in the league and rolling through the playoffs once again. So, yeah, it, it's it's always a danger that we overreact to week one and game one because it's the first new thing we've seen in, you know, six plus months. So it, you, you analyze it to death immediately. Um, I think you look at that Rams performance and there's a couple of things that would definitely concern me about the Rams that weren't necessarily coming up earlier. That offensive line looked like a problem. And, you know, the the Rams actually under Sean McVay, they've kind of gone as their offensive line has gone. When the offensive line has been really good and it's protected him well, protected the quarterback well, um, the Rams have been good. When the offensive line starts to creak and they, they give up pressure and it falls apart a little bit, they're just not the same team. And it doesn't mean they become bad. You know, Sean McVay, there's enough talent there that they're not going to stink, but it might mean that they're not capable of winning a Super Bowl unless that offensive line, you know, improves over the course of the year. Um, to go back to the, the Bills and, and what they were able to do on uh, the other side of the ball, because, okay, so we'll talk about Josh Allen and the, the receivers and just the style of play that they have and the ability to play multiple games. But uh, it turns out they're also really good at stopping you scoring, which... Uh, 
you know, if you're going to win a championship, you really need to be able to defend week in, week out against the, the best teams. And they were able to defend against Sean McVay pretty easily, which, you know, doesn't happen that often. So what have they done over the offseason and how impressed were you with their defense last night? They added Von Miller, which I think is a really important thing. Von Miller is the best edge rusher of his generation, and he's reached the point now where he's not quite the player that he used to be, but he's still very good. And in addition to that, he is a proven leader and a mentor and a sort of veteran presence for a lot of young guys on that defensive line, which is basically what everybody else is. You know, Von Miller is the old veteran, the guy that's been around the block, and everybody else is somebody that the Bills have added to that team over the last few years in the draft, pretty much. And, you know, there's a, a big kind of trend right now in the offseason in the NFL that specific position groups will get together for like an offseason summit. You know, tight end you is one of them. Um, there's a pass rushing academy. There's a cornerback group. Von Miller started that years ago. He, he did the first one um, where he got a bunch of pass rushers together and they just get together and talk and, you know, teach each other moves and how to deal with certain things and all that kind of stuff. So Miller has kind of been independently working as like a mentor and a veteran leader for years now. And the Rams certainly talked about that extensively when Miller was playing for them last year. I think it's a huge thing for the, for the Bills. Not only are they bringing in a guy who's going to sort of generate a guaranteed level of pressure for them, but he's going to help guys like Gregory Rousseau and uh, Boogie Basham and the guys they've drafted over the last couple of years take that next step and, you know, develop into the kind of players they can become. So I think all of a sudden the Bills pass rush will be really formidable um, up front. They're, they've got seven or eight guys they can roll through and get get pressure. And then the back end, the coverage, it's just well coached. It's it's good. It's It doesn't give up big plays. They sort of force you underneath and they, they're just very well drilled and well coached. And, and it's difficult to put up big big numbers and big points against them. Since they were good in the 90s, Buffalo was something of a joke, uh, the butt of a lot of jokes. Their fans were kind of more famous than the team. Uh, Occasionally they would make the fringes of the playoffs, but they never really went deep. It wasn't just Josh Allen, was it? It was like a series of um, well-constructed drafts that allowed them to put Josh Allen into the team. And then it was patience with Josh Allen early in his career that also allowed them to get to this point. So it seems like they're one of the best run franchises in the whole NFL. They really are. I mean, the it gets kind of lost that Buffalo was not a good situation when they drafted Josh Allen. I know they they kind of been making strides. They were moving into the fringes of the playoffs and those kinds of things. But there was a lot wrong with this franchise or the roster when they drafted Josh Allen. And they have systematically rebuilt it around him. They've put an offensive line in front of him that's never going to be great but is is average and that's all you really need it's not going to be bad there's no problem there they've overhauled a wide receiver group which was maybe the worst in the nfl certainly one of them added guys like stefan diggs and you know gabriel davis now the guy that's putting up all the numbers over the last sort of few weeks of the playoffs and into this season um they've got weapons in, in the backfield they might not be superstars but they're good players and then the defense that they that we talked about so yeah this is definitely one of the best run franchises right now they've done a fantastic job of rebuilding this thing around josh allen and giving him the chance to succeed and as much as josh allen was bad for the first two years of his career really the bills bought into that aura immediately you know throughout the struggles throughout the times where josh allen was throwing the ball 
aimlessly, nowhere near players, you know, straight to defenders, whatever it was, the Bills were steadfast that, no, this guy will get it. He is, you know, a fantastic leader. He's got all the tools, which was never in doubt, and he will come good once we build everything around him. And they've, they've been proved right. Like Josh Allen has not just worked out, but has kind of hit you know, the very top end of whatever range of outcomes he had. He's become the best possible player that he could have become, which is really amazing. One of the things that isn't supposed to happen is you're not supposed to get more accurate. Your, your accuracy is supposed to, I don't know how, it's baked into your DNA, basically. Uh, you get it or you don't, it seems. But he's actually been able to fix accuracy issues over the last couple of years, which suggests there's also, apart from his incredible physical gifts, there's also something going on in his brain that is allowing him to be better than, as you said, whatever the other ranges of outcomes should have been. And also coaching. You know, I don't think anyone's quite 100% sure sort of where the credit lies for the creation of the current version of Josh Allen, how much goes to him, how much of it goes to the coaches in Buffalo, how much of it goes to his individual coaches. Uh, that's another thing that's happening a lot in the NFL is that the offseason, you know, Josh Allen goes away and he spends the offseason with a guy like Jordan Palmer, who is a sort of quarterback guru, an individual quarterback coach. And then he comes back six months later a different player you know he's not the same guy from a, a mechanic standpoint a fundamental standpoint and it's the kind of work that you can do coaching that they don't have time for in the nfl anymore with the collective bargaining agreement and the kind of limit on the amount of practice time and coaching time they can work with these guys so i think there's definitely it's made people reevaluate what you can fix as a draft prospect you know and if you see a guy that's got great physical tools, but there's something wrong. He's inaccurate or he's doing something else. I think teams are now evaluating like, well, actually, maybe this isn't a permanent thing. Maybe we can change that. And if, particularly if we can spot a flaw in the mechanics, you know, it might not work year one, but if we can send them away to some private uh, position coach, that's something that can be changed. And Josh Allen, I think, is definitely going to affect the way teams draft going forward. And maybe that's what uh, the 49ers are thinking about when they saw Trey Lance and, and his gift. We might talk about that in a few minutes, but I do want to talk about Tom Brady here because Brady took 11 days off and it's very unusual for somebody to take uh, time off in the middle of training camp, very close to the season. It's kind of, it seems certainly from all of the documentaries you watch that a lot of what happens later in the season, the foundations of it are laid there. That's not to say that because he hasn't been there for the last number of years that actually everybody probably knows what he's going to do in most scenarios. When you're looking at what might happen for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year, how important is it that they have had some fairly significant injuries and change on the offensive line when we're talking about that with with the situation at Buffalo? It's not going to be easy for Tom Brady this year. No, it's definitely a worry. Um, you know, Brady had a great offensive line the last couple of years, and that's a big part of why the Bucs were able to be so good or why they were contending. Um that's going to creak, I think, a little bit this year. They already lost their center, Ryan Jensen. They they keep threatening to lose the backup center. He gets injured. Uh, he's been injured a couple of times now, but it keeps turning out to be something minor. But all of a sudden, yeah, the interior of that offensive line looks weaker than it's looked in the last few years. Now, the offset of that is Brady, I think, is probably the best quarterback in the NFL to be pass blocking for because he gets the ball out of his hands really quickly. He's still got incredible kind of movement in the pocket. He's not athletic or mobile, but he knows where the pressure's coming from. He's really good at sliding just out of the way and just making your life easier as a, as a blocker. So I think he will help mitigate the problems and offset some of the, the negatives there. 
But there are going to be plays that were there last year that aren't there this year. You know, deep shots down the field that he just doesn't have the time to get off this year. And that it will take something off that offense, I think. But they should probably have a good enough offensive line, you know, that Brady can still be good, that the offense can still put up a ton of points. Um, It just it might end up being that limiting factor, you know, one or two times a game in a key matchup in the playoffs, something like that. But you think he could still take that team to the playoffs, even at 45? Well, absolutely. I, I think they're still one of the favorites. I, even with a creaking offensive line, even with Brady at 45, I think the Bucks are still one of the best teams in the NFL. And yeah, that absolutely should not be normalized. The idea that Brady at 45 is still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, last season he finished number one in PFF grades over the course of the year at 44 years old. That's that's stupid. That's not supposed to happen. Um, who else finished high last year that might have been in any way surprised? I presume Aaron Donald finished as the, the number one overall player, did he? No, he was second, actually. Uh, Trent Williams was number one. Trent Williams had a season last year that was the best offensive line, the best offensive tackle year we've ever seen. The left tackle for the 49ers. His tape each week, particularly in run blocking, was ridiculous. It was like a teaching tape of just destroying people he would get to the second level absolutely eliminate guys from the play or you know take these guys on the edge the runs coming his way he would just grab a guy toss him inside it's it's absolutely absurd how good he was last season the only two guys that have grades over the course of the year that are even close to trent williams or joe thomas and jonathan ogden at the tail end of his career both those guys are first ballot hall of famers that's the kind of caliber year that Trent Williams had last season. That's funny, isn't it? That um, you know his his career also at a, a later stage is as good now as it ever was. And this is somebody who's come back from a very significant uh, bout with cancer as well. So, like you know, their their ability to play deep deeper into their careers is definitely something. Um, it's becoming a trend now, as opposed to it being just a few outliers as well. Particularly when he's playing at that level. So he plays for the 49ers, if anybody doesn't know. Um, how many games will uh, Trey Lance play at QB for the 49ers this year, do you think? I think he'll play the whole season unless, you know, there's some, unless he's an absolute disaster, which I don't think is really likely. Um, I think the thing with Trey Lance is because of that running ability he has a quarterback that's different to Jimmy Garoppolo. It, it raises the floor of an offense quite a lot. It's it's very difficult to truly stink when you have a quarterback that's a really potent rushing threat, particularly when you've got Kyle Shanahan as the offensive co- coach who just knows how to create offense from almost nothing. So we saw that last year with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. Hurts is still not a great passer, but he ran for whatever it was, 800 yards and 10 touchdowns which just made the Eagles a top 10 offense and a bunch of different statistics. So I think because Trey Lance brings that to the table, even if he's worse than Jimmy Garoppolo as a passer, the offense may be better overall, and that's going to give him the full year. The only way that doesn't happen, I think, is if we see an absolute ton of interceptions you know, early in the season, and all of a sudden the pressure starts to build for them to put uh, Jimmy Garoppolo back in the lineup. But I don't really see that as a, a likely option. Yeah, I can see them manufacturing a lot of easy throws for him in the first four or five games and not taking too many risks and not putting him in harm's way so that he can ease himself gently in, quiet that speculation, quiet that sense that there's any uh, unrest in 
in the locker room and, and taking it from there we have to talk about the Patriots because uh, this is um, we're in Ireland and uh, the Patriots are they have some fans here uh, it has been one of the most amazing off seasons where um, for various reasons they haven't officially said who their offensive play caller is and yet we kind of have a vague idea that's going to be Matt Patricia who you know would not be considered one of the great offensive minds of his generation because maybe maybe he is but he hasn't done it before Um the the offense has not come together in the off season. There's been a lot of fear uh, amongst the the Boston beat writers about what might be coming down the tracks. Their second round wide receiver is out with a broken clavicle for at least the first four games of the season. So I guess it's all set up for them to score fifty points this weekend, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's certainly it's all doom and gloom heading into the season, which is usually where things go completely the opposite direction. Um, I think. The offense coordinator thing is a little bit overblown. Um, the One of the main reasons they haven't named officially an offensive coordinator is because if they give that job to Matt Patricia, he they suddenly become on the hook to a, for a ton of money that Detroit is paying him otherwise. You know, if you get given a job at a certain level, then the previous team is sort of no longer on the hook for the money. So I think that's one of the main motivators behind this sort of slightly nebulous description of all these coaches and how they don't necessarily fit into the traditional prescribed uh, naming structure in NFL coaches. Now, the idea that Matt Patricia is calling plays is a different issue and he might be fine at it. My bigger concern is Matt Patricia versus Josh McDaniels, who was this, you know, the longtime Patriots offensive coordinator, the guy that worked multiple times with Tom Brady and then was, was, uh, heading the the kind of Mac Jones project last season, McDaniel's is widely regarded as one of the best offensive coaches in the NFL. A great sort of sounding board for the quarterback, a great guy to develop a quarterback. Patricia isn't any of those things yet. Now maybe he's a fine offensive mind. I, I think generally speaking, football is football, and there's a little bit um, too much made of whether a guy is defensive focused or offensive focused. I think it's kind of the same thing viewed from a different angle but the bigger concern to me is that you're going from one of the best offensive minds in the nfl a guy who does have a great experience of developing and helping quarterbacks to a guy that doesn't in a kind of crucial year for your young quarterback so i think that's definitely a concern um and if mac jones isn't able to take a big step forward this year then it's difficult to see the patriots heading anywhere other than backwards given the rest of the AFC and what they all did this offseason. Yeah, so it, it could be a disaster or it could be okay. Is there a scenario where it's somehow they managed to turn it into a really good season and make a playoff run? Yeah, I mean, if Mac Jones ends up just defying everything around him and being better himself, that that offsets an awful lot. And that's possible. Like, Mac Jones is a guy who was dominant at Alabama, had put up insane numbers, insane PFF grades. He was the best graded rookie quarterback last season by a distance, despite a lot of people not buying into what he was able to do. Um, And the ways that he was good was the kind of mental side of it. It was understanding how to read a defense, how to work through a progression, how to get the ball out of his hands quickly and accurately to the right guy at the right time. Like that's invaluable. That plays at any level. That's that's how Tom Brady became the greatest quarterback of all time. So if Jones is able to scale that up just a little bit in year two, then he can be better and then the Patriots will be better. So I think really he's the key to all of it. And that's why, you know, my biggest concern is you're messing with that. You're you're screwing with the potential that that happens by 
taking away a great coach and putting in a guy that won't necessarily help facilitate that move. Yeah. But if Mac Jones is just that guy and just gets better year two, then the Patriots will probably be better. It's not a great thing, though, where you have to rise above the coaching as opposed to right. actually benefiting from it. And that's the point we were talking about earlier on um, when it came to the, the Buffalo situation where it looks like they've been able to be absolutely brilliant coaching uh, and bring that coaching to develop the player. So we'll see. I mean, obviously, he's still got Belichick there. He knows a thing or two about like uh, getting young quarterbacks to be better as they go on. So um, I, I do want to talk a little bit about Dallas as well because the situation in Dallas for um, most casual watchers they'll know they have a an, a Todd Bowley style interfering owner who likes to <laughs> basically you know pick his selections and uh, he's got a coach who's happy enough to do that for him at the moment um, in Mike McCarthy and yet everybody assumes Mike McCarthy will be the first coach sacked and that actually Sean Payton will probably be the coach next year or, or somebody else who is a, a celebrity and, and and yet what they seem to be doing is wasting another year of, of Dak or are they? are they are they legitimate contenders do you think? Um, I, I think they're on the fringes now. I don't think they're, you know, out of it completely, but I do think they took a step back this offseason. By the way, I love Jerry Jones because isn't that what you should do if you're a billionaire? You know, all these guys, they get billions of dollars, they buy a team, and then what, right? You just sit back and you let somebody else run it, and then you just own it, and you get to show up in the, the suite or the box or whatever. Jerry Jones walks in, buys the Dallas Cowboys, fires a Hall of Fame coach, fires a Hall of Fame GM, installs himself as the GM, and then like his buddy, you know, who okay, his buddy was a good college coach, but hires Jimmy Johnson to run to coach the thing and just plays real life fantasy football for the last 30 years or whatever. Like that's how you should spend billions of dollars, frankly. So all power to Jerry Jones for that kind of attitude. But you're right. It probably does hold the team back in certain areas. Um, and they they do have this tendency of kind of making the occasional personnel blunder that then doesn't just cause problems one year, but is the sort of millstone that hangs around their neck for multiple future years. And that right now is Ezekiel Elliott, the, the running back who got given a $90 million contract and has never lived up to it. And every year they go into the season saying, you know, we just got to get Zeke back on track. We got to feed him the ball more. We got to make sure the whole offense runs through him, which is like the exact opposite of what all available current data says is the way to run an offense, you know, particularly when you've given tons of money to Dak Prescott, the quarterback as well. So, yeah, I, I think the Dallas Cowboys are likely to take a step back in a bunch of different areas this offseason. I think they got worse in several spots. And the real concern for them is that the Philadelphia Eagles got better in a bunch of spots and they may have lost not just ground but they may have lost the sort of the favorite for for the NFC East and then they're they're going to be fighting for a wild card spot and just hoping they have enough juice when they make the playoffs what does PFF say about Dak Dak is a good quarterback who I think might be the single most um, susceptible quarterback in the NFL to changes in his supporting cast so if you screw with his wide receivers, if you screw with his offensive line, if you change any of that stuff, he immediately gets a lot different. Um, and we've seen this sort of spectrum of play from Dak Prescott. When everything around him is great, he can play like a top five quarterback. But as soon as you tinker with any of that, it immediately drops and he probably ends up somewhere, you know, 10 to 15 type of range. I think Dak Prescott's a good player. 
but his wide receiver room is worse this year. They traded away Amari Cooper. Michael Gallup is injured, still working his way back. Okay, C.D. Lamb will probably step into a bigger role and is probably a better player this year than last year, but I still think that's a net loss. Um, the offensive line will be worse. Tyron Smith, the left tackle, is injured. They're going to start a rookie there and see how that goes. Um, they they lost Lyle Collins, at right tackle. They've changed the interior a little bit, so that offensive line probably is worse as well, which means Dak Prescott is likely to sort of look to play towards the bottom end of his range of outcomes. And that that's probably not good enough to make Dallas like a legitimate contender this year. Uh, Okay. I think I'm right in saying you live in Cincinnati. Is that still the case? Yeah. So the city must be aflame with the fact that they have the most exciting young QB are certainly getting there and they've, they're they're you know that collection of players they have are so good and have come from nowhere so quickly that it's like you're in the sweet spot for a, a city thinking this is going to be our time yeah it is a very different feeling you know now than the first couple of years when i was here um last season during the playoff run you know the buildings were all lit up orange every every weekend when the bengals were playing uh, at nighttime and and into the mornings yeah they the, the city feels like the Bengals are, are really good and a contender, and they, they probably should. Like, Joe Burrow was, I think, the number one graded quarterback during the regular season, and then Brady jumped him in the postseason or, or vice versa. He was right up there in terms of PFF grades. Jamar Chase, you know, took the league by storm as a rookie wide receiver, just absolutely dominated um, in a way that I think surprised a lot of people. They overhauled the offensive line this offseason, so that should be better. The defense is good. Um, yeah, the Bengals, they're a good team now, and they should absolutely be among the contenders. Have you made a Super Bowl pick just yet? I mean, it's a terrible question to ask at the start of the season, but it's always fun. Yeah, I, I, I was sort of half um, did the boring thing and picked the favorite, and then half picked an outlier. So my Super Bowl pick was Buffalo over Philadelphia. So Philadelphia is my long shot from the NFC but then I had the Bills, you know, the easy favourite from the AFC. Well, there you go. It's going to be a long, brilliant season. It's already kicked off uh, perfectly, really, you'd have to say. Sam, great to have you back with us. Thanks a million for joining us. Cheers. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime. Take it easy. Sam Monson of PFF there.